This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'd like to share with you my presentation called Digital Health Service Delivery that was presented in a live webinar to over 950 healthcare practitioners around Australia on the 24th of March. My name is Yanni Sapanos, and as host of this podcast, as founder of the digital health practice management software called Core Plus, and founder of digital health innovation community called Health Tech X, I've been committed to helping support the healthcare industry to reimagine healthcare using modernization systems contained within digital health. In this presentation, I explain what digital health is, how to bring mindset, technology, and culture together to design digital healthcare experiences, the key things to immediately implement within your healthcare practice, and why. I break down what telehealth is, how to set yourself up, how to support both your clients and your teams in providing and accessing telehealth, expanding our minds to the opportunity to build tele-referral networks and alliances with GPs and other points of care. This talk will help you navigate through the COVID-19 era we find ourselves in and beyond help future-proof your healthcare business so that you can provide healthcare remotely and over time in person again and set yourself up to not only survive these challenging times, but actually thrive. Let's jump in. Digital health is kind of a bigger concept than video in of itself. So what I'll do is I'll talk through uh, some things to have in mind with the video side of things, online consultations, teleconsult. There's quite a bit of uh, language and jargon in uh, healthcare, depending on what type of practitioner you are and uh, who the software uh, vendor is. I'm also going to give you some background and overview on things to think about beyond today as well bigger opportunities that um, will exist once you've actually implemented the video side of things and you're able to actually adjust or adapt to the current circumstances to be able to provide some online healthcare services to your clients. But at least you'll have a little bit of a roadmap where you'll know that you're starting at a point today, but there's some other waypoints to move in the destination. So this is not just going to be a COVID-19 thing. This will be something that will actually reimagine the way you deliver healthcare going forward. And if it wasn't COVID-19, it would be a really exciting time to actually think about the possibility of online healthcare. And so we'll take you through that in a moment. I founded Core Plus uh, 11 or 12 years ago now and focused very specifically on Australian healthcare providers and uh, looking at the digital health uh, vision from day dot. That's been something that I've been very passionate about on how we could actually bring digital health into um, modern healthcare and really modernize the way that healthcare is delivered. The term gets used frequently. It's not always understood. Uh, sometimes I joke that it's, it's not just about finger health. It's actually about the uh, ability to empower you and your clients towards better healthcare outcomes, but doing it in a way where all the systems and all the stakeholders involved in those healthcare outcomes are actually connected. And you're doing it in a clinically safe, secure and private and seamless way, end to end. So your whole workflow in how you actually operate the, I guess, the business model of healthcare 
is encapsulated within the digital health idea. And it asks a question. And this is kind of your guiding light. What is it that they're feeling right now? What are they needing from you right now to continue to support their healthcare outcomes? And so this question is really pertinent. How does your healthcare service fit into the lives, the schedules, the goals, and the aspirations of your clients? And that will be a moving target. Right now, uh, self-distancing and staying at home, not going out as often is part of your client's life, just as it is in, in, to a greater extent and lesser extent with ourselves. So asking this question and getting that kind of feedback will really help sort of nail down what is the most important thing tactically to do to be able to respond to that. Having that in mind and getting that sense of what it is that we need to do right now, the whole idea of digital health is to get us to think through how we map a service that is an experience for the client. It actually becomes an end-to-end journey for them, whether they're an existing client or a new client, how they're actually introduced to you. I use the term the digital healthcare experience. It's something that I've coined uh, in recent years as I've started talking more and more about this idea. It's how we design a service experience using digital health concepts. And it's really a, a useful conceptual framework and a useful idea on how to approach the reimagining of healthcare using digital health systems, tools, with ultimately the idea that um, you're, you're becoming much more client-centric as you go forward. And there's a reciprocal value to you because the more that you help your clients achieve their goals and, and the more you fit into their lives and the more that you offer value and support them with their healthcare outcomes, the more they value you. And that means that um, they're prepared to pay a price they're prepared to meet you on, on the terms that you need to be met and your relationship becomes very uh, strong over a longer period of time. So the three essential ingredients for this are to have a mindset, uh, which is about thinking through the complete sum of the experiences that your client is going through when they're interacting with your healthcare service. And this is a very flexible idea because it's something that you can break down at different stages. You don't have to think about this as being a really big project. But when you're doing uh, telehealth, for example, and I've got some slides a little bit further down, you can uh, empathize with what that experience is likely to be like for your client and then put some thought into the way that that service is going to be delivered to ensure that that experience is optimized for them as well. And uh, the second ingredient uh, category is technology. So obviously getting the right tools that are compliant and support you in workflow compliant with the rules and regulations of the jurisdiction that your client is in. Uh, so in this case, uh, primarily Australia. Thinking about this as an opportunity to extend your healthcare services beyond your postcode, where your clinic resides, for example, at the moment, or perhaps the different locations that you've been used to servicing. So in a way, the difficulty of uh, perhaps cancellations and bookings declining it, you know, in the face of COVID-19 kind of forced the idea that perhaps now with telehealth, you're no longer constrained to those physical locations. You can now actually market your services Australia-wide. So that actually opens you up for a much bigger potential client opportunity. The sooner you do that, you'll have the lead, I guess, in this uh, kind of evolution of um, change that's happening at the moment. The third broad category is um, in broad terms, systems and culture. And I use the term systems because I think of systems as separate to just technology. Just having a tool in place, none of your team or none of your people actually using it is useless. It's not going to give you all the value and the productivity that you need. 
So the system is what happens when the people and the tech work together and there's a cultural change that comes with that. And so what I would be recommending is to do that in an agile way. Uh, You know, don't try and do too much at once. Just take one step at a time, complete that, implement that, make sure the team's coming along for the ride, then put the next step in place, implement that, complete that, make sure everybody's along for the ride and so on and so forth. And so you can iterate little by little and that becomes less difficult for you to actually get momentum in making these changes. When you try and do too many things at once and you end up with these really big lists of things to do, it's very overwhelming. And sometimes you lose sight of what is the most important thing to do next. So um, iterating is agile. One step at a time is agile. And it's, um, it's really important to get that feedback from the different steps that you're taking as you're rolling these things out for your clients and for your practice. At the end of the day, what I'd like to help achieve is that you have a healthcare 360 model in place, which means that you're addressing your clients. And so I use the term B2C or business to consumer, where you're uh, staying focused on what the client alliance and that partnership model looks like going forward with, um, with telehealth, that you ensure that it's convenient and it's comfortable in how it's being delivered to the client and they seem pretty easy and comfortable with the idea of participating with it that you're compliant and overall there's a high level of satisfaction between your client and yourself as a practice owner and your team members in actually delivering services this way. But that's only one half of the equation. You're not an island out there on your own. There's a whole ecosystem of healthcare providers just like you who provide complementary and adjacent types of services. And so developing the B2B side is where digital health really goes to the next level. And I realize that telehealth is the first focus, but in the back of your mind, know that to really unlock this potential, we've got to bring the whole network in so that you're connecting and you are also connected into a network of referrals, cross-promotion, alliances that can happen when the healthcare system cooperates and works together. So that's a big opportunity that's um, rarely spoken about in the industry on what digital health can help us achieve. It sort of defragments healthcare. It brings us all together. It's an opportunity to connect. And there's a lot of power that can happen with that as I'll break down a little bit further. What we can achieve by thinking about it from the business uh, you know, to consumer side, as well as the business to business side, is that you're developing an ecosystem of empowered healthcare partnerships. They're empowered end-to-end. You may have a client who is simultaneously being serviced by another healthcare provider And so between you and that other healthcare provider, you're now providing a multidisciplinary uh, support or service for for that particular client. And so if you are both communicating with each other, that's likely to be a much more positive experience and a much more clinically effective experience for your client, which the client will appreciate at the end of the day. And in order to do that, you've got to be able to build the network and you've got to be able to share the healthcare information between yourselves around the interests of that client. So that possibility opens up now with digital health. All right, so where do we start? This is kind of a a step-by-step breakdown. I think um, CorePlus has started releasing telehealth capability to its client community. It's in a staged release, which means that um, it's not widely available to anybody just at this point in time, but we expect by next week uh, through to the uh, 1st of April that we will have a full wide release to all clients. 
So it doesn't mean uh, wait till then. Um, the very first thing to do uh, if you're an existing Core Plus client and you haven't done so already is to implement your online bookings. And online bookings is really important because there's a, a number of elements that go into doing that, which will actually tick the box for getting yourself telehealth ready in the process. So you will have um, a, an ability to insert a um, HTML snippet into your website, which will present an online booking button. You can choose the words, uh, whether it's online bookings or book now or telehealth. It's entirely up to you how you do that. But that would be something that would be implemented into your website. And you would have a landing page that is dedicated to your telehealth services, which describes your specializations and sets out the profiles of the practitioners. Any frequently asked questions around telehealth, and there are some resources that we're making available through the Core Plus Help Center, which will address a lot of those. If you go to the blog site for Core Plus, there is a blog there called Responding to Coronavirus COVID-19, and there is a reference there to a resource where we will be updating some of the Help Center articles that will actually support you through these different steps in detail. Any systems that you may be using at the moment may have some similar resources to an extent. Uh, website landing page, if you are planning on doing a lot of telehealth beyond the next sort of three to six months, then you probably want to make the telehealth service your homepage or expressed quite prominently on your homepage. You want to present information, which is about, you know, your business hours for telehealth. What times will you do it? And, um, and what time zones will that cover? So you need to have a little bit of a think through how those things work. Your booking policy, uh, what happens if somebody makes a, uh, an online booking with you for telehealth and uh, they don't show? There's a few elements there to think through and there will be aspects of your terms and conditions that may need to be revised to accommodate the uh, telehealth service that you're providing, including uh, consents that will ultimately go into the, uh, the booking process. You will be able also to continue to bring your brand and your um, um, your look and feel. So you don't want it to look, you know, fast and loose. I know that there are some chatter around various forums in the industry at the moment that are helping with um, uh, doing some fast and loose implementations, but there's also a perception that you'll be creating with your clients uh, through that. And a file upload is pretty important because if your clients are um, having their possession, any documents that are important to the healthcare service you're providing, they will need to upload those uh, as they won't be able to deliver, deliver them to you traditionally and email is not a good option uh, for security and privacy reasons. On the client side, um, think about, you know, whatever telehealth product you choose, whether it's, it's very easy to use from your client's point of view as well as from your, your practice's point of view. So ideally it needs to be web or mobile capable and um, present minimal technical hurdles for your client in terms of accessing the appointment Anything that requires them to do too much heavy lifting in terms of entering full names and, and, and a lot of first-time information is going to probably get them to avoid going through with the actual session. So most of that information when you actually have a properly integrated system is uh, about actually designing a very low-touch um, onboarding process for your client. And um, there's some telehealth products uh, uh, out there that do that really well, and there's others that don't. So it's kind of just a little um, thing that if you're really rushing to try and get some kind of video in place, so just think about it through the lens of your client. If it's too hard for them, they won't use it, which is not gonna be good for both of you in terms of what you're trying to achieve. So keep it simple, 
most of the, the telehealth capabilities that uh, CorePlus and the, um, some other more reputable telehealth uh, offerings in Australia will actually have something that's just a URL link, which will allow the client to actually click it, which will allow uh, the client to open up that browser, uh, do a quick tech check to make sure that the internet is at a decent speed, and then allow them to enter a waiting room, a virtual waiting room. That on occasions will mean that tech will get in the way. Um, we all know how the internet is. We're kind of experiencing it tonight in this webinar where the, uh, the audio on occasions is not great and that's just the way the internet works. There are a lot of moving parts when it comes to technology. So part of the information to have available for your clients is what to expect when they are about to start a session and during the session. You need to think about a backup plan in case your primary telehealth capability doesn't work for any reason for that particular session. What's the backup plan and how does the client get to access some support from you? Having somebody on hand to be able to take that call, uh, figure out how to implement that backup scenario for the client and then proceed with that uh, session. Practice side of it is basically how you set yourself up. So the workspace matters. Uh, you want to be able to put a very professional mindset in place, keep it very separate and distinct from your home life or your personal life in that respect. So I've depicted here a uh, setup that, um, that I find very good. Uh, it's a two monitor setup. Uh, in my case, um, it's a three monitor setup, but I think a two monitor setup would be a good option for telehealth because on the one monitor, you want to have your positioning of your camera, adequate lighting that actually um, presents you really nice and cleanly using a camera that's got a, a good resolution in it, uh, probably something like a 1080p or above. And that means that you are looking at your client, you're positioning the camera in a way where it, uh, it sort of approximates as though you're looking at them in their eyes and they're looking at you, but you'll still have your clinical system open on the other monitor so that you can undertake those normal workflows, data entry, case note updates, looking at files and what have you, whilst you're actually performing the session, if that's what you normally do. If you just use a single monitor, you're going to be toggling in and out of uh, screens and that kind of breaks the rhythm and the connection with the person. There is some good experience in the industry where uh, virtualized practices have been operating for a number of years and they've kind of worked all this out. And so you can look for some resources out there uh, that actually show that wisdom coming through on how to actually um, not forget the tech is there, but kind of work through the technology, through the camera there's almost a little bit of sort of, um, you, know, you know, in terms of how to present yourself, how to, how to hold your space, how to position your body, how to uh, really form a connection with the person that you're actually uh, speaking with. With that in mind, you want to train your team members to be able to do the same thing as well and support them through that process. Some things to have in the background is that um, telehealth will be uh, just as new for your clients on the main as it is for you and your team. So keeping track of uh, the type of research and regulations that are coming out that are kind of supporting telehealth and its effectiveness. And um, that helps you with your frequently asked questions and some of the content that you can share with your clients that, you know, telehealth is actually uh, good for the healthcare outcome that they're looking for. And accordingly, that would come into it for um, updating incrementally any information around your privacy policy where there's additional information you might be collecting as a result of the session. Another thing to think about is the uh, talking to your insurer and figuring out whether uh, the policies that you have in place for professional indemnity are um, suitable or whether something needs to be updated there to support the telehealth uh, service as well. 
and to ideally have a telehealth capability that is integrated into your clinical workflows as opposed to sort of standing on its own. Um, so you use that system discreetly and then you sort of run the risk that you're moving data manually between one system and the other. And that kind of opens up a little bit more clinical risk and um, privacy breach risk as well. And don't forget the backup option and support for your team member as well. Sometimes your practitioner may have difficulty moderating the session and turning on the video. There needs to be some sort of process there for them to go through a checklist, if you will, so that they can uh, overcome those barriers and perhaps get somebody to help them if they need to. The seamless workflows will um, put you uh, essentially at the centre of a healthcare ecosystem. And so thinking about it as a virtual health practice is probably a good mindset to have going forward. Uh, so that you're surrounding yourself with other connected parties who are your referrers, for example, um, you're connecting seamlessly and, uh, with your workflows with your team members. Uh, so there are some uh, tools there that could be put in place if not already. Um, you're facilitating that collaboration between everybody in your practice so that it's kind of like business as usual. It's just all happening online. Eventually when things uh, return to normality, you will have had incorporated it into your culture. So you could actually probably in, in part continue on that way or maybe end up as a hybrid uh, online and uh, real world clinic or real face-to-face -face type meetings. So just think about the, um, the right now opportunity that I mentioned earlier and then where it actually gets to. Another part of it is that uh, with the B2B side, uh, there are some systems out there that will allow you to actually register yourself onto a digital healthcare network. What that will allow you to do is um, electronically have your profile promoted as a healthcare provider to other healthcare providers and different points of care so that you are in a form, I don't want to use the word advertising, but what's happening is your profile is being made available to every other digital health connected practice in Australia. What this means is that when a health provider down the road from you, or it's not relevant language at the moment, but let's just say somewhere else in Australia, has a client who needs your types of services, they're able to look up in their directories a service provider who, who represents your skills, your specialties, your subspecialties, and can see that you're telehealth ready. And so what they can do then is actually send you a new client, send you a referral um, in a sense. Right, And then all of that comes through seamlessly into your telehealth capability. This has already been built inside Core Plus, but there may be some other products out there that will eventually do that as well. In the long run, as an industry, we should all do this. But some products will take a long time to get there. Others will take sooner. And in our case, we are able to support that idea right now. So this gives you the opportunity now to uh, be discoverable through directories, that other connected points of care have at their disposal right now. So these are things that you can actually um, get cracking on uh, before too long in getting your profile out there to other points of care. Now, this network is built for healthcare providers only to be able to discover each other and send each other healthcare information. When things change in your practice, there is an embedded service called a virtual service registration assistant or a service registration assistant and you can find some additional information on this through the Australian Digital Health Agency's website. This will allow you to make changes about your practice, uh, such as new practitioners coming on board, updates with provider numbers, for example, 
perhaps new locations that you're providing services to or locations that you're providing services from. And what this will do uh, is um, allow you to uh, do one change and then everybody's got the change. Okay, so that's a real administrative efficiency down the road. And ultimately, when there's communication between yourself and other health providers, rather than using uh, historically uh, abundant services like email and faxes, you will be able to actually do it through the secure messaging channels that have been integrated into the uh, digital health tools that support that end-to-end workflow that I was describing a little bit earlier. So that means that when that provider has looked you up and sent you a referral, it comes through to you in a Privacy Act compliant, secure message. And you're able then to respond and look up other providers and send them healthcare information about a uh, mutual client as well. That business to business side of it is a really important part of the equation. So at the end of the day, you're not just servicing your clients in this time of need uh, and and responding to COVID-19, but you're actually enhancing your business model going forward. And you're also developing your referral alliances around your virtual practice, as well as your real world practice. So that's going to be a good step for the personal branding of each of your practitioners and you as a healthcare provider, so that you are uh, seen by the industry as um, having all the right cred at the moment. You know, you've got your telehealth in place, your digital health ready, your telehealth ready, you're providing services online. And that sends a really powerful message to uh, your peers when they want to refer to somebody just like you. So that visibility is really important. And it promotes a, um, a more engaged way of actually working clinically and professionally with peers in the industry around a referred client or, or uh, if you're simultaneously providing services to a, to a client. End of the day, the, the clients are happier and uh, they will likely tell their peer group around uh, what a great service that you're providing and that should help you continue to grow your business. Lastly, just thinking about future-proofing as well, uh, there is the fundamental health tech, but where we get beyond telehealth, we start to think about how we activate care plans and we become more client-centred around uh, the reporting that comes through from a patient or the PROM model, patient-reported outcomes, as well as the uh, feedback systems for your clients around patient-reported experiences. And having the tools that can extend out into that business-to-consumer model that allows you to actually get that higher level of engagement and uh, commitment from your client to adhere to whatever programs you have in place to feed back into your service model in terms of clinically and also just as a customer so that you can continue to do that iteration that I described a little bit earlier. And that gets us into a much more exciting world beyond just reacting to this um, economic disruption where we actually settle into a more modernised healthcare model down the road. So I'll just summarise by saying, uh, or kind of reflecting, I guess, on the words of Charles Darwin. It is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent, the one most responsive to change. And that's exactly where we're at right now. My suggestion would be to not dwell on where we're currently at um, in this situation that uh, we find ourselves in here in Australia, but focus on getting momentum forward around the uh, solution and leave the past slowly behind us as we move forward. Uh, and, you know, right now we're getting our online bookings in place, getting our telehealth capability in place, making sure that all our team is coming along for the ride and, and clients as well, so that we're all moving as one, we're all moving together uh, going forward and eventually that opens us up to a much more exciting possibility on how we can actually modernise healthcare going forward. 
Thank you, Yanni. That was amazing. Did you have anything you want to say before I kick off with some communications? If you're really, really desperate to get a video session going, you know, today, there are options like that uh, that will uh, empower you. I mean, let's face it, video and chat are pretty ubiquitous across all social media platforms and a lot of the consumer applications that we actually work with, uh, but they're not designed for healthcare. So if you're going to do that, have in your mind that it's a temporary uh, implementation. It's fast and loose. That's how I describe it. In the long run, you want to actually um, bring yourself into a telehealth capability. That's what I call a proper telehealth uh, service. Skype will blend your personal contact list with um, your client's contact list. It, it creates a more difficult onboarding experience. And it also means that your clients can initiate video calls with you. That may be desirable to you, but generally speaking, in the healthcare context, you want the health practitioner to be the one who chooses when they moderate the call, when they attend the call, and when it finishes at a time that's been agreed to mutually. That's one thing to think about. And the other side of it is the uh, potential data breach with products like Skype and Zoom. If you're going to use those kinds of products, don't transfer uh, documentation that relates to healthcare or identifies um, the health uh, the healthcare recipient. You know, the chats are even um, uh, included in that idea. So if it's just voice and video, you know, you can get away with it. And I talk to that in the uh, blog as well. But in the long run, if you want to keep your clinical governance in mind and, um, and comply with Australian standards, they're not ideal. Now, Zoom's an interesting one because I know it's a very well-regarded product and I think it really is, but it's been designed for different markets. And there are a lot of people who tout it's HIPAA compliance, H-I-P-A-A, but HIPAA compliance is really only valuable when two systems are HIPAA compliant and they are integrated using HIPAA compliant standards. A system in of itself that's HIPAA compliant, it's, it's the sound of one hand clapping. When data leaves that system and goes to a non-compliant system, there's a breach. It's not the ideal choice. I know it's easy to use and, um, and it's generally good and I think you can get away with it for now, but in the long run, you want actually something that's designed for healthcare in Australia. What telehealth options do you recommend, Yanni? Doxy, CoView, Theralink, Health Video? Out of those uh, selections, CoView would be the, uh, the one that um, I would suggest would be a better option. The other ones um, are good products, but they've been designed for different jurisdictions. So they tout the HIPAA compliance. So you can get away with it, but they're probably not going to integrate with Australian uh, clinical systems, whereas CoView uh, will. And so that's the one that I would be picking out of that bunch. The telehealth capability that we're releasing uh, broadly through Core Plus is um, also built to Australian uh, digital health standards and, com and compliance and is actually integrated into the Core Plus clinical information system. It's um, on the same par as CoView. Does Core Plus have a patient portal that practitioners connect on to collaborate on the care of the patient? Yes, um, it's not a portal, but it's kind of the same horse, different, different jockey. It's uh, basically, it's the digital health interoperability framework. And within Core Plus, there is a directory of which uh, the Core Plus account holder is listed, as well as um, every other connected point of care around Australia is also on that directory. So that's how we look each other up and we're able to actually then identify which health provider we're wanting to select and then attach the healthcare information and then send that healthcare information off to that point of care. And equally, that then comes back the other way when there's an exchange. So it's not a portal. Maybe there's a particular product that somebody's thinking about at that point in time, but the functionality is, is in effect the same because 
The thing about anything that's kind of separate from that at the moment is you're asking health providers to switch from whatever it is that they're using right now and go off to that particular portal in order for it to work. Whereas um, digital health interoperability is actually integrated into whatever system they have actually using right now that's actually connected to the national system. I think the digital health system that um, we've implemented, and by we, I mean not just Core Plus, but there are GP systems, there are specialist systems, there are um, you know, imaging, pathology, uh, hospitals, systems, and so on and so forth that are all connected to this national network. So that, that is the most universally integrated uh, digital health uh, system in the country at the moment. Okay. Uh, now, someone's asked if we use a program and our referrers don't have the program, I'm assuming this is secure messaging, how do we connect with them? What happens uh, if we If they don't, um, they're off the network. They're, they're not on the digital health network. And so, unfortunately, that's kind of the way it's always been done in the past, which is a, a fax or an email. They're not the right ways to do it, but there's still a lot of people who do it that way. So, you can get away with it for a little while, but it's not the ideal scenario for too, for too much longer. That's the only way you can do it. It's the systems, the approved systems have to actually be connected to the uh, digital health network for their users, the, you know, the GPs, the specialists, the allied health practitioners on our network, for example. The choices that are made by products like Core Plus, by um, Best Practice, by Medical Director, Genie Solutions, um, you know, Cerner and so on and so forth. Those, like those products have made choices to actually agree to connect with each other. And so all of their users inherit that national directory and that that ability to exchange information. Mm -hmm. I knew this one would come. Hello to our chiropractors. Any experience with chiropractic moving to telehealth as it is hands-on? There's great opportunity there to actually deliver a support process that's um, built around some of the adjacent uh, valuable services that um, Cairo does face-to-face. But I think there's, um, there's ability to actually empower clients to get access to uh, tools that allow them to feed back to the Cairo, how they're making progress on various things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be uh, some ways, and not just for Cairo's, but there may be some ways for health providers to actually build e-commerce thoughts into their service model where they're actually supporting their clients with nutritional products, you know, things that are actually enhancing the client's um, immune system, mm-hmm. uh, their uh, overall nutritional wellness as an example. I think there, there are a variety of ways that will start to emerge that we actually start to think a little bit more from a distance. And, yes, um, and I think that's where the survey really matters is like talk to your clients and figure out those things that your clients are going to value. And then, you know, the tools will follow that. You know, there are some tools in the market that um, will come in slowly but surely for every single discipline. It's just a matter of time. Um, Michelle's asked, is Core Plus compatible with medical objects? We are. That particular integration has not been released in production. Uh, It's um, behind the scenes. There are some commercial matters that we haven't been able to resolve at this point. And by we, I talk about a consortium of um, clinical systems that have agreed to work together. And Medical Objects um, at this point in time hasn't uh, finalised that agreement process. And so whilst technically we can integrate with them, nothing's going to happen until we sort of sort out some of those background type of issues. Don't see telehealth as replacing the way you do things now forever. Think about it as augmenting or enhancing or um, delivering a, another healthcare product in addition to your clinical stuff because at some point the clinical stuff will come back online in a big way, but your, your practice will now have your you know, traditional service model as well as this new telehealth service model. And the telehealth service model gives you more reach to different territories and different areas around Australia. So it opens up your, um, your opportunities. 
Okay, some have said they use WhatsApp. Can you please tell us what the rules are regarding encryption and how to check if the system we're using is secure and meets requirements? Security is important, but it's not the only part of the equation. All IT has security. WhatsApp has security and encrypts the communication between those different points. In fact, your Facebook Messenger, if you go into your settings, you'll find an option there to actually switch on an encrypted message session between different parties. That's security. What we're describing here in Australia in terms of digital health is, yes, security, we've got to tick the box on security, but privacy is ultimately what you want to make sure is in place. Most IT has security ticked. That's not a differentiator. So it's the privacy, the way that the healthcare information, your client's information, um, personally identifiable information, sensitive information, the way that's managed with the product, not just by itself, but also how it exchanges that healthcare information with another system. That's the part that you want to get right. A question here. So when I see clients face-to-face, I ask them to complete tests. Is there any way of getting them to answer them online and for me to mark them online? Now, that's one question that kind of led me to a thought about what about new patient inquiry forms? And so automating this whole process through testing patient data end-to-end. Tell us your thoughts of that, Yanni. So uh, next week or the week after at the latest, we're we're, uh, working on implementing customisable forms for the online booking process, which will empower our customers to design one or many forms uh, that are needed, um, you know, during that intake process or perhaps um, after the initial consultation or during the initial consultation. In the product now, there are customisable forms, but they're not available. They're not presented out to the booking process. It's something that you do uh, during the appointment. So in a telehealth context, you could have your forms designed there and you could populate it with the information that you need based on the exchange from the client. Uh, but no, within, within the next couple of weeks, we um, expect to have that uh, more customisable form setting available in bookings. And right now, we have a file upload function in the online bookings, which means that you can make a document template available on your website on that landing page that I was describing earlier so that the client can download that, fill it in, and then upload it into the online booking. So um, it's not as slick as perhaps here's a form uh, during the booking process that you fill in, but at least it gives you that now. And then as we continue to iterate, we'll improve the way that experience is offered to your client. Look, I've been advocating for this for uh, quite a number of years now. And in my opinion, we were going to get to this sort of state inevitably, not the COVID-19, but we're all going to modernise healthcare Mm. using digital health capabilities and kind of, you know, reimagining the healthcare model, you know, going forward. And realistically, we we have to because consumers are changing each generation. If you sort of remove COVID-19 out of the situation right now, which I know is really hard to do, but if you sort of think back, you know, two months or three months, You still had consumers who are getting more and more used to buying goods and services online, to having those those goods and services uh, discussed and negotiated and worked through and information shared all online, having those services delivered to their homes, having online uh, interactions with those um, goods and service providers. A lot of other industries are already further advanced in how they use digital ideas and technology. So that kind of thinking needs to also be underpinned by standards and regulations and governance in the healthcare context, but it's kind of inevitable. Mm -hmm. So I think, yes, we do have a watershed moment, COVID-19, it's forcing us to adapt. Let's adapt knowing that it's not going to be a short-term waste of energy just to react to this situation. This is an investment in the future of healthcare. It's an investment in the transformation and the reimagination of healthcare. It's going to be good business down the road. It's also going to be good for your clients and it's going to be good for 
yourself as a practice owner and your teams Mm -hmm. and your ability to recruit people as well will be improved through this process. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.